You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that the way your brain works is actually shaped by your culture. Uh, for example, people from Western cultures, uh, when we see a picture, will focus on the object in the foreground, like what's right in front of you. But people who have been raised in Asia will most likely focus on the context of the photo in the background, sort of more of the peripheral things. And brain scans will show that people from different cultures even recruit different parts of their brains to process the same picture. So we literally see the world differently based on our cultural context. And your perception of reality is the reality that you live in. So this is kind of profound. It also means that you can train your brain and even train your vision, and I've done work on both of those, in order to teach you to see things in a different way or to even switch between perspectives and to use a soft vision that's more peripheral versus a very focused one. Amazing stuff. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's guest is a friend and a fellow entrepreneur. His name is Manish Sethi, and he's CEO of Pavlock and editor-in-chief of Hack the System. He's also written an international bestseller when he was 14 years old, and he writes about hacking fame, hacking productivity, languages, exercise, and today we're going to talk about hacking human behavior because uh, Manish is doing something really, really interesting around using negative feedback instead of just positive feedback. And in my own experience uh, as a biohacker, there's parts of the, the brain and parts of the body the less conscious parts, they respond really well to negative feedback. But the other parts of the brain respond well to positive feedback. So it's not like negative is bad and positive is good. It's that you want the right signal for the right part of the body. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about here. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You got it completely right. <laughs> so, hey, Dave. It's good to see you. Manish, uh, it's good to see you this time over Skype instead of in person. We should have just done this last time we met. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I kind of regret that, that I didn't meet you when you were a famous DJ in Berlin, the 90-day <laughs> famous DJ hack. It's entirely unrelated to hacking human behavior, but you just got to tell me and our listeners, how did you get to become a famous DJ in 90 days? 
Sure. I mean, I wouldn't say it's unrelated to human behavior whatsoever. It's about identifying what works from a larger, like we were trying to hack our way into fame in different cities. So I lived in Berlin. Um, I was there with a friend. Both of us were interested in electronic music. And we said, well, I'm here for 90 days. I had just figured out a way to get a full-time salary and outsourced my work. So I had no work, but passive income. I said, let me use that money to become a DJ in Berlin. So what we did is we started off by um, we created like a, a sound system that we played in the streets and we played it in, in, in uh, subway stations where we would get people to start dancing at four or five in the morning. And then we'd have a friend, the other, our partner would be DJing a club and we would just start wheeling them in. Like we would get a group of people in the subway who were drunk out on a weekend, get them to start dancing in the, cl- in the subway station. Then we had a, a, a street car, like a shopping cart sound system and we'd roll them over to the club and bring over a ton of people so clubs in berlin started to invite us to play because even if we weren't that good we were definitely bringing in a lot of people (laughs) but then we started to buy facebook fans and uh we decided to do this as a test so we bought facebook fans to create this idea of social prestige and we i I created like a website Uh, i created a fake identity i called up clubs around europe saying hi i'm uh will from regal world entertainment i represent dj manish he's famous in america for house and dubstep would you like to book him for shows? And literally within 45 days, we were being flown around Europe, being, being paid to play shows for up to 500 people at a time. It was fantastic. It was a really good 90-day experience. And you can see that at 90days.tv. That was just a fun, fun thing we did back in the day <laughs> in college, kind of. Uh, still, it's an interesting hack of like what people will do from a, a societal perspective and, and how people get kind of fame and, and prestige. So call it you know, hacking, hacking society. But the other thing, in fact, the reason that, that I, I first got to know you was because you kind of got to be well known because you hired a girl from Craigslist to sit in your home office and slap you every time you used Facebook. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Explain this. So this is um, this is actually one, one of those big things that changed the way I live. So I, I was doing productivity experiments while I traveled, and I found that travel kind of ruins your ability to focus. So on my blog, Hack the System, I decided to uh, do an experiment where I took – I hired a person on Craigslist. Her job was to watch me, and whenever I got off task, whenever I used Facebook or wasn't writing my article, whenever I got off task, she just would slap me in the face. And it was that simple. And it started off as like a funny experiment, but it ended with like my productivity quadrupling. You saw recently Rescue Time, Dave, and my productivity percentage of the day I was productive before the experiment was 28%. And while I had her with me, it was up to 98%. That means 98% of my time was spent in right room, writing the words that would become a blog post or a pitch or whatever I wanted to do. So it was interesting. Yeah, but what was interesting here, and Dave, I think you'll understand, is is the slap was a, a potential fear, the the potential like like uh, pain motivated me a little bit, but also having the accountability, somebody sitting down next to me with who I would say, hey, could you grab an image from this website to put in my blog post while I write the article? Can you? How does this sound? And I would say the words out loud. I found that having the negative reinforcement of the potential shot, uh, potential slap, plus the accountability together helped quadruple my productivity. And that's where, why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Well, let's talk for a minute about what you're doing today. I, I see a lightning bolt up behind you. I, I know what it is because, well, I'm an investor in Pavlov. <laughs> uh, so just you know, full disclosure there, right? Like um, I, I've been working to help advise you with your startup. And I, I am intrigued because what you're doing is so in the face of some of the like super positive things people are doing. There's two things I want you to talk about. First is just overall, what is this Pavlov change device? Uh, you're very early stages. You can't go out and buy this thing right now. Um, so like this, this isn't a pitch so much as, well, this is a new biohack that's coming down the pipeline. And I, I find it fascinating, which is why I'm willing to spend my time um, on, on helping it succeed. So what is Pavlock? Because it kind of came out of that experiment. So just kind of walk people through it so they know how you're seeing the world. Uh, and then I want to talk some more about um, that other software you just mentioned about how you're tracking your productivity. And then we can talk more about changing behavior. So sure. Pavlock 101, what, what's the deal with, with what you're doing? So realistically, it all comes down to how do humans change behavior in the brain. And I myself grew up extremely ADD. I've been, I've managed to be successful in things because I have an out of the mindset thinking capability, but I'm never good at executing. And because of that, my productivity has always suffered. So 
I decided to start doing experiments and we found that things like bets are extremely motivational for people who are bad at getting on task. Not just ADD people, but people who have trouble finishing the loops that they open. Um, I would start to make bets with a friend. Like if I don't finish my article by 5 p.m., I owe you $50. And I started to notice that this was really powerful. And I started to notice that rewards could make it more automatic. If I set a trigger and said, after breakfast, I will write it in a journal before I walk, leave the door or else I pay money. I could make this a habit that didn't need the money to sustain the habit. It became automatic and part of my daily routine. So once I started to hack my brain, technology fortunately caught up with us at the right time because sensor technology and 3D printing and, and all of these things that make hardware, smart hardware possible, have only come into existence in the last 2.5 years. October 2011 is when the real revolution came of Bluetooth 4.0 that made wearable devices possible. And because I happened to stumble upon some interesting brain stuff, and I had studied also at, at Stanford University on, uh, on habit psychology to an extent, I did a few classes that were very interesting. I was able to put those two together and I decided to take Pavlov and create a device that helps people form good habits and break bad habits using the most modern psycho psychological and scientific uh, experiments and data, as well as the most uh, recent developments in technology as well. And so this is, these are Pavlov. <laughs> and the, the idea behind Pavlov is really, you do something you don't like, and it's, it's, it's kind of brilliant. You know, okay, it, you didn't do what you said you were gonna do, it could shock you automatically. But I think the, the most impressive thing is that it could post to Facebook and let your friends shock you. Absolutely. Right. And, and that is like, like there's some level of like, like ego involved there. Like, oh, for God's sake, now I have to admit publicly that I failed. And then someone, and I won't even know which friend it is, is like, ha ha, pushing the button. Yeah. Uh, so that, well, I mean, I mean, like, that's kind of, it's kind of evil in, in some, you know, in, in some, <laughs> not necessarily evil, like, you know, super bad, but uh, it, it does kind of put you in a weird mindset, doesn't it? I think it puts you in a, a competitive mindset. It's more of a game than a, a potential like this is a bad thing. But you should understand that there's two ways in which Pavlov works or which, more importantly, habit change works. And people often want to form new habits and people want to break bad habits. And those are two very different things. Um, in general, like, Dave, what are you most interested in, forming new habits or breaking bad habits? Uh, for me right now, probably... Forming new habits would be more what, interesting. Do you have any habit in particular you or someone you know might want to form? Uh, new habit? Um, I, I'd like to make it rain money. Um, that, that's a great habit. I haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good habit. I, I, to be honest, what I'm working at is better management of, of a limited calendar. Like I, I'm finding that I, I'm not doing as good a job as I'd like to do on following up with people that I really want to spend time with just because I have this deluge of, of email and messages. So I'm building systems in there, but there's a certain habit, you know, the, the, the things you do that make your calendar work. So I'm not sure I've identified the perfect habit there, but I do know that, you know, relentlessly checking my email all the time is not a good habit uh, and I should consciously schedule it and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, you're coming at this from the perspective of a lot of people, which is like they have some big shift they want to change, but they haven't broken it down to the smallest form of what that habit really is. You know, people think that they smoke cigarettes because they smoke cigarettes, but sometimes it's because they want to break and they want to take a walk around the park. And that's the sub habit that they didn't realize if they fixed that and they just started taking the walk, they wouldn't need the cigarette at all. So you're at a, like, you're at a very common stage. And with forming new habits, the best and most powerful way to do it is to use operant conditioning. So that's B.F. Skinner's method of adding positive rewards if something good happens. If you go to the gym, you will earn a dollar or you will get a cupcake afterwards. Is a instantaneous reward. It's a, a trigger action reward if you're familiar with Charles Duhigg's work. A side section that Skinner worked on was negative reinforcement. So positive reinforcement is positively adding pleasure, adding something good. Negative reinforcement is not punishment. Negative reinforcement is taking away something bad. So from a psychological perspective, we're saying the act of going to work every day, because if you don't, you'll get fired. They're taking away your salary if you don't go to work. That's negative reinforcement. 
So what we're doing here for change, for forming new habits, like for example, I want to exercise each day, or I want to um, walk 10,000 steps, I want to uh, do one class on Duolingo a day, I want to do one, uh, I want to measure my HRV with the HRV Sense app. Like if somebody wants to create this habit, I want to check my daily HRV level, or anything of that nature, how it works is you would say, all right, I will make a commitment to do this, I will reward myself if I do this, but for the first few days, because I know it's hard to get started, I will potentially inflict a penalty if I don't do it, because that will motivate my ape brain, my animal brain, to do the habit, while the positive reinforcement catches it and turns it into a habit. Does that make sense? It it does make sense. It's kind of confusing. (laughs) I think human behavior change is confusing because we have different levels. Like there are conscious behaviors. There's things you want to do, and then there's things that you want to do, but you didn't do it, and you don't know why you didn't do it. And at least in my own understanding, after like the 40 years of Zen kind of of program and just learning to have a very detailed awareness of the inner dialogue in in my mind uh, and from reading various works of research and whatnot, you have a set of very, very fast automated behaviors that are actively conflicting with the human behaviors that you want to do. And the the prime example of this is today I'm not going to eat a cookie. (laughs) And then you eat the cookie anyway. And you're like, what the hell? And then you're kind of frustrated. And it's because you have a speed mismatch between, you know, the human brain, the prefrontal cortex, and these these really older parts of the brain that are there to, like, keep you from getting eaten by tigers. So yeah. th- that thing, different levels of that seem to want different levels of positive and negative reinforcement. Have you mapped that out using, like, a, a trained brain model or anything like that? I have mapped out a model that we call the Pavlock Habit Formation Model, which uses the brain... Uh, the frontal lobe, the prefrontal uh, cortex versus the basal ganglia yeah. where your habits are stored and identifies what makes what makes habits stick. And I'm totally happy to, to share that or I can explain it in a minute if you want. Yeah, um, let's explain that. I mean, people are driving in their cars. Not everyone knows uh, how to spell ganglia, much less what they are. <laughs> so don't get too sciencey, but be sciencey enough that, that people who are you know, into this are going to get get what they want from it. Absolutely. Um, so to form new habits, there's two layers and... Um, on one moment. Yeah, I can actually show you how it works. Uh, let me share my screen. Okay, so can you see this screen? I can, but keep in mind a lot of people are listening sure, to this bar. So, so walk through in words everything that the rest of the people on iTunes video or on YouTube, the stuff they're seeing. Sure. Okay, so to change behavior, you basically need to, uh, to change two layers. So you need to improve the ability for somebody to do a task, and you need to improve their motivation to do a task. If they have the motivation to do a task, like for example, if I go to the gym every day this week, on Friday I get to get myself uh, a massage. That motivation of positive reinforcement is one important factor. The other motivation is ability. So if you have to drive an hour away to get to the gym, even if you'll earn a cookie or get a massage, you don't want to drive a mile away to the gym. However, if it's on your way to work, and or if you're a, a gym instructor and you just are at the gym all the time, it's almost hard to not work out because it's just so easy. It's right there for you. So the two ways that you can improve this is to make sure that you improve the ability and you improve their motivation. So right here, what you can see on some of your screens is the Pavlock habit model, which is uh, talking about how we break down habits. Like I want to get my systems in check or I want to learn a language. We break it down to the easiest possible iteration of what you're doing. So what we do is we break down a habit to the easiest version of itself. So for example, if you wanted to go to the gym and exercise every, every day for 30 minutes a day, if your goal was to exercise for 30 minutes a day, you'll start off by saying, how can I make this so easy I can't fail. Well, in our experiments that we've done on a bunch of people on our Facebook group, we had people commit to after I finish breakfast, I will walk outside of my house in my gym clothes and lock the door. That's it. That was the first step on their path to the exercising every day. If they did this, they would receive a reward. But if they didn't, for the first few days, they might be penalized. Like I won't, I will pay 10 bucks if I don't go outside and lock the door but I will earn a dollar if I do because it's so easy that they can't fail. And because they're they're motivated to do it, 
it turns out that it's just stupid to not do it. They're like, shit, I'm going to earn a dollar if I go outside and lock my door. That's so easy. I'm just going to do it and I'm not going to be paying out 10 bucks because that's stupid to just not lock my door. So they do that for a week. But what happens is that the brain's willpower reserves get kind of attenuated. It starts to form a neural pathway, a, a habit that begins to form when you start to do the same action every day at the same trigger. So the first seven days, you're getting used to going out and locking the door. By the seventh day, you don't think about it anymore. You've just begun putting on your gym clothes and you're out the door. And that's when the second micro habit might become effective. After I finish my breakfast, I will walk out the door in my gym clothes, lock it, and then go to the gym and swipe my card. I don't have to work out. I just have to swipe my card. That's the workout. So for the first seven days, they'll swipe their card. And in fact, they'll probably end up working out because they're already doing it. They're already there at the gym. The next week, you might make it a little more difficult. Like I'll have to do this activity for 15 minutes. And then the fourth week you'll do, I will exercise for 30 minutes a day. And because it's become slowly and motivationally improved using positive and negative reinforcement, the habit becomes, becomes absolutely automatic in the brain to that weird feeling where they feel strange if they don't go to the gym. Like all they think about all day is I need to go to the gym because my brain is saying I'm used to doing this. That's what, uh, what, uh, what uh, only 30 days of time can take to form a new habit. So I've seen some research. And in fact, when I'm coaching people uh, using heart rate variability training, um, things in fact, like the heart math or things like stress detective, what I do is I say, look, it, the, the habit change window is about six weeks. And it's kind of funny because if you look at, you know, Western psychology, it's four to six weeks, but quite often six weeks is pegged. But if you look at like Ayurveda or religion, like 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> so it's like 40 is the Eastern number and 42 is the Western number, but it's somewhere a little bit more than a month. And mm-hmm. that's when you sort of just automate these habits. But I, I have a, a a question here. Like I, I was successful years ago when I said, all right, I'm going to lose my hundred pounds. Uh, I'm tired of, you know, having knee surgeries. I had three of them before I was 23. And I said, all right, I'm just going to get really healthy. So I made a habit and I stuck with it for 18 months. I would work out for an hour and a half a day, six days a week. And exactly what you described. Like I didn't feel good if I didn't do it and all this stuff. The problem was the habit that I'd formed didn't work. I didn't lose weight. I'm sure my cortisol levels went up. I got strong, but I stayed fat. And then the first time I did a non-exercise activity, like just a fun thing, I played laser tag and I twisted and I blew my ACL. So 18 months of habit, it didn't lose weight and didn't even like achieve the goals because I was actually causing inflammation because I wasn't recovering enough. Uh, your HRV your, sensor would have been useful then. It, it would have been great. I mean, this was before I think anyone was doing oh. HRV. But what I'm concerned about is you have great power to make habits, but how do you know what habits to make? Sure. Well, the, uh, I'll answer that question. There are particular keystone habits that are really, really important. Things like exercise is one of the most uh, researched and powerful keystone habits. And a keystone habit is one that once you do something – other things that are naturally good fall into place. So if you exercise, you tend to sleep better. You tend to wake up earlier. You'll often start eating better. It's one of those things that causes a humongous shift in your life. Quitting smoking is another habit. The ones that I've tested that I've found to be very effective are writing down what you're going to do and then doing them can make a massive shift on your life. Meditation was, I think, the biggest one in my life. And then food tracking has been a massive shift in my mindset. I can't believe how I'm extremely ADD, I mentioned. And I cannot believe that I've managed to form the habit of entering in every single thing I eat for over three months because I use like the Pavlov habit method and I never thought that that would work on me. But I've done it for so long that if I don't enter in the food, all I can hear for the rest of the day until I type in the food is two ounces of guacamole, two ounces of guacamole, put it in my fitness <laughs> mouth. And it was, it, was, it was really hard over at uh, the Mindshare Summit that we met up at in LA because it, I was just like, so much food, I got to measure it on my scale with me. So what I thought, what you mentioned was about the time it takes to form a habit. And I have a really interesting piece of research on how much time it takes to form a habit. So a study out of London did an experiment where they looked at uh, how much time it takes to form different habits. And they found that based on the difficulty of the habit, it would take a different amount of time. So for example, a habit like doing Drinking a glass of water after breakfast would take 20 days to form before it required more willpower to not do it than to do it. 
20 days. For, That's cool. For an easy habit, like drink a glass of water. For the most difficult habit, it was 50 sit-ups after breakfast. It took 66 days, which was way too long. I'm sorry, it took 84 days, which is the longest experiment, but it's a very difficult habit. I will do 50 sit-ups after, after breakfast. Do you actually the do average, that? Someone actually did. I'm with I you. Don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. I don't. Someone I don't. once did 50 sit-ups after breakfast and was like, bleh. No, no but they did it, <laughs> but they, they formed the habit of yeah. it, so they, this lasted. Yeah. It, the average was 66 days. But hey, so 50 sit-ups after breakfast is hard. One sit-up after breakfast is not hard. And if he had chosen the habit to be one sit-up, his 84 days would have shifted drastically towards 20 days. Where That's after- important, what you just said there, like, like very small changes to form habits, to form big habits. Uh, that's really the main, the main driver for having on the podcast is, is make, making people understand that because it's powerful stuff. And you've got the data right there on the screen. Yeah, it's amazing. But so let me tell you a little bit about breaking bad habits because I think that that's really interesting and no one talks about it. So people, and if you if you if you read habit literature, you'll read a lot about how you cannot break bad habits; you can only substitute it for another habit. That's a that is another method to change bad habits. But there's consistently one piece of scientific literature which comes up about breaking bad habits, which is Pavlovian conditioning. That is associating a negative stimulus at the same time as you do an action you don't want to perform can cause you to break bad habits. For example, if I got shocked every time I used Facebook or bit my nails, after a while, my brain would start to stop thinking about the act of biting its nails because it associates the shock with the biting nails. It thinks that the biting nails is causing the shock. So subconsciously, it's broken the habit. In fact, this has been tested with smoking addiction. Uh, the Shikshadel Treatment Center in Seattle does aversion therapy to help people quit smoking. And they basically have you stand in a, a phone booth sized glass jar and you smoke a cigarette and a doctor shocks you repeatedly for like 15 minutes to 30 minutes or more a day for a few weeks. And they found that after a year, more than 50% of those people did not desire cigarettes a single time. They didn't smoke a single cigarette over the next year, which is better than any type of behavioral smoking cessation therapy ever. It is the best. Aversion therapy effectively removed the desire in the brain to do the smoking. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> so that it, it is really interesting, and and that will work for bad habits, but it won't work for like core things, like some some really dark times in psychology. Like they used to try and and you know cure homosexuals with mm-hmm. electrical shock using that same model, and it just didn't work. That's right? an intrinsic the, versus. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's like a genotype versus a phenotype kind of ex- like yeah. experience. It's like, you know what I mean? It, it's uh, You can't intrinsically change things like that, and I don't want to use shock to help you do things like that. No, but- it, 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 and it doesn't work is the thing. So it, it, how do we know? And the reason I bring that up is like how do we know whether something's an intrinsic thing, like my brain does this kind of thing because it's like it's my gift but also my curse, or whether it's a bad habit? So, it, I mean, in the majority of things that – the direct stimulus that you use shock for for anything. So for the homosexual studies, they were looking at photos of homosexual acts and they would feel aversion to that photo. They don't want to look at that photo because that photo was directly correlated in their brain with the stimulus. It wasn't it couldn't be correctly uh, like completely identified with the act of being homosexual because that's a bigger thing. But uh, the act of like looking at the picture would cause an aversion. So they got like a porn aversion, but yeah. You know, they but so imagine, who they were. okay, I get like, it. Taking taking the same example, like imagine that um, you every time that you wa- uh, put a dish in the sink without washing the dish immediately. Imagine that every single time that happened, you would get a vibration and then a beep, and after a few seconds, a shock if you didn't put that in the in the um, in the tray and wash it. Well, because it's not like uh, because it's a, a robot, like you programmed it. You said, I want to learn this habit. It's not like somebody forcing you to do it so you don't have that like pushback like you might have in a familial or a, a friendly situation. Because it's a machine that you pre-committed to, the shock will actually start to make you remember every single time to wash that dish. And if it could ne- – like, for you, Dave, if you like could not cheat, if you couldn't cheat at all, would you eventually just start washing the dish and putting it in every time rather than get shocked each time that you forget? You'd probably stop forgetting. If I couldn't cheat, uh, probably, but I mean this, okay, here's a really rough question. One we haven't even talked about, like from a public business model thing. Uh, if, you know, the California Institute of Corrections called you tomorrow and said, we want to order 2 million of these for our, our, our prisoners, what would you say? 
I wouldn't probably, I probably would not do that. I think that it's a very powerful self-improvement technique. So like, yeah, you, you better own the button if you're going to use this kind of technology. Absolutely. So actually, so Pavlock, I mean, if I haven't really explained it yet, Pavlock is like a wearable device that helps you form good habits and break bad habits using feedback and punishments and rewards. So to help you break bad habits, we use vibration, beep, and electric shock. So you're, it's connected through your phone, iPhone or Android, and it lets you connect to any world of API. So any piece of data can cause you to get shocked. So for example, every time I go on Facebook, I get shocked. I trained myself with this for a week. Every time? Wow. I did it for 10 days before I met you in California. And I, was, I checked my rescue time, which I used two to three hours a day on Facebook. When I got to California, I realized I hadn't checked it in four days, not because I was trying to not check it, but because my device had broken the habit while I was in, uh, while I was on the East coast. And I still rarely check Facebook because the habit was like broken through the shock. If that makes sense. Wow. The, uh, when a habit is when you just sit down and find yourself doing something, it's about awareness. A lot of the time, like I don't try to go on Facebook. I just sit on my computer. And the first thing I do is my hand reaches over and automatically types in Facebook enter. And then I'm stuck in there and I'm trying to reverse engineer that using classical conditioning. So if I get shocked every time I do that, and I want to because I want the awareness to stop being on Facebook, after a few days, my brain just stops going there. I, I start off by saying, I don't want to go there, and then I just forget to go there. And that's uh, and so Pavlock is a device that lets you do that using any piece of data. So um, if this, then that, you can, we're, in a, we're planning. Oh, cool. That, so imagine if I enter a McDonald's, I get beeped and shocked. If I open a refrigerator door, it texts my phone and beeps me saying, are you sure? As new sensors come out, we use that data for breaking bad habits. So we're looking at experimental sensors that have uh, you put on your tooth that know when sugar and tobacco smoke passes through it. And the goal is to make it shock you at the moment that sugar passes through your teeth. So your brain subconsciously will begin to associate the taste of sugar with the pain of shock. And ideally, I mean, we haven't tested this yet, but all science points to it, that your brain will stop desiring sugar and actually the taste will not taste as good. That's what we're working towards. There is there's great danger if you program yourself with the wrong habits. Like, you know, you, you could train yourself to get an aversion to saturated fat. Which <laughs> ten, 10 years ago, you might have said, because we didn't understand a lot of the stuff, you might have been like, well, that would be great for me, so I'm only going to like drink canola oil. Uh, but I mean, you could wreck yourself with the wrong allegedly healthy habits. So it becomes even more important that we use you know, quantified self and big data to make sure that the habits we think are the right ones are the right ones. Uh, sure. Because I, I know people who have trained themselves to have an aversion to salt and fat. <laughs> and, and it doesn't do it? serve them to have that aversion, uh, but it's there. What was their method of training the aversion? Um, mostly lots and lots of willpower. I've, I've never like interviewed them, but uh, an, an example, my grandmother, she's, you know, a, an advanced degree in nuclear engineering, worked on the Manhattan Project. And to this day, like she, whatever, 30 something years ago, just decided that those are bad, um, did the cognitive loop that was like, okay, I'm just going to learn those are bad. I'm going to tell myself they're bad. And then to this day, she said, I, don't, I don't like that. Like you have to like, you know, sneak fat into things. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited. I mean, we've been basically building up this thing for the last like year, trying to focus on what really makes habits form, what really makes habits stick. And can we create like the behavior ecosystem that'll make it happen? And I think technology, I mean, we, we haven't solved it yet. We're early stage, of course, but we have extremely cool results, really interesting results. And, um, we've figured out a way to kind of take data, put them together and help you choose who you want to be and then have a device basically be your accountability personal coach buddy who gets you there just step by step rather than massive change after massive change and it it's it's really cool that you've chosen this negative feedback i i do a lot of neurofeedback and some of it's very like 40 years of zen is very much uh you know how do you reward yourself for controlling your brain state positively but the one, and I'm very choosy about what kinds of neurofeedback I, I believe are, are safe because you, there's danger of taking a, a really amazing, you know, A student brain and making it into an average brain, even though if you're an F student brain, maybe an average brain would be an amazing gift. So yeah. like it, it's a slippery slope, but the, the type of neurofeedback that I, I carry on the site for people who want to do it at home is also negative feedback based. And instead of saying, well, this brain state bad, which again, we don't necessarily know what brain states are bad for you. 
what it does is, is it provides a negative feedback in the form of static. So you're listening to like beautiful music. And then as soon as your brain is about to flop from one state to another, it basically puts a glitch in the music and a glitch in music is unpleasant. You're kind of floating along in this music and it's like, you're like, Oh man, that was really irritating. It's that minor irritation though. That's not communicating with my conscious brain It's communicating with the, basically the audio processing part of my brain to be like, dude, every time I'm about to flop from you know, alpha to beta or whatever these states are, I'm just going to get a signal ahead of time. So pretty soon the brain's like, oh, I can stick in the state for a longer period of time because now I know what it feels like to come to the edge of the state. It's not yep. to tell the brain be in state A or state B. It just says whatever state you're going to be in, stay there until you're ready to change and then change consciously instead of change unconsciously. And it's negative feedback driven because those systems that I don't see because they're so fast, they all respond to negative feedback. It's like they're a little virtual machine, or maybe I'm a virtual machine. Yeah. But they're a separate consciousness that's way faster and way dumber than what I identify as me. They're way faster and they control your brain far more yeah. importantly. But like what you're talking about is fascinating because we're not talking about pain. We're talking about feedback and instantaneous feedback. And so Pavlock starts, it's like a, it's a behavioral training device at its core. So you have a vibration. Yours is a negative feedback, but it's not negative. It's, a, a, it's, it's just awareness. It, it flips a switch. Yeah. With like, so we're actually looking at different use cases for ours. And one use case that's really interesting is if you start to fall out of a meditative state, the right gamma wave or alpha wave, uh, it slightly vibrates your wrist. And the more out of it you are, the more powerfully it vibrates. So it adds to like a training element. Yeah. Uh, and there's use cases you can imagine for that like all the time. If you're trying to signal a friend to a coach who's teaching basketball and they want them to train them to be better at follow through, it can automatically ideally no, identify their follow through and vibrate or beep accordingly. We, we call uh, that that haptic feedback. Exactly. And, and uh, sometimes people don't know this. I was CTO of Basis, the, the wristband company. Um, you got your Basis band right there. Right yeah. And, and before that, I was a, a senior advisor to a company called Corbentis that had the first stick on Bluetooth heart rate monitor uh, in, in history. And so I, I've looked at this a long time. Most of the time, people are looking for auditory and visual cues, which suck as feedback mechanisms compared exactly. to haptic feedback. I have fantasized, and hopefully some biohacker engineering guy out there is listening to this, about not just the vibrational stuff, which we finally have, but the best thing of all for feedback would be a tongue sensor. And they have these tongue displays for people who have like severe neurological problems, but you have the most nerves there. So the sense of touch isn't the oldest, most primordial thing. Maybe smell is even older. But... This as a way to communicate with your nervous system, and I say your nervous system, but not with you because you are not your nervous system. Uh, that kind of communication is, is amazing, and we never could do that because the feedback loops were so long. You might have feedback from like an old Zen master who, you know, you're sitting there and, and you, you wobble and then he whacks you over whatever they whack you with. I don't know, some something that's unpleasant. That was the mm -hmm. kind of feedback that they were yeah. using back then. But this little electric shock, it actually doesn't hurt that much, but it's enough that your nervous system's like, eh. And that's all you want is just that little bit of revulsion, not like, you know, severe pain and, and smoke and, you know, the smell of burning flesh, because that's, that's not what it's about. Dave, did you try the shocking business card yet? You know, I just opened it last night. Try it out. So, try it out right so now. If, if you're watching, check, check this out. Um, it's a business card. Okay, so what do I do? I press you the button? Your, yeah, you touch the button twice and you hold those. Oh, uh, at the same time, you hold those to the metal part, the gold part. You see the gold The one part? on the top and the bottom? Yeah, well, on top and bottom. The, uh, like yeah, this. See, I, I just shocked myself. Did you see me jump? Yeah. Do it again. I got myself, too. Ah, shh. There, got it. Yeah, you hold it down at the same time. We're basically using like a small amount of electric shock, and it's pretty fun. These business cards are really entertaining. Did, did I show anything when I shocked myself? Could you see it? I don't know. I got shocked. Oh, here. No, no, no. I got shocked, but I use electrical stimulation. You're so like, used like to it. Like super heavy duty. Press, so it, press it three times, then. Does that turn it up more? Yeah, it does. Bastard. And keep your finger on it the whole time. Okay. Like, like that. Press it at the same time. Yeah, there, I felt it. It's a little bit more burning. Yeah, it, it's, it's shocking me, but do you see, like... Yeah, you're good. I get, I get caught by it. <laughs> Different people have... Yeah, you're... you're well, I, I didn't used but to hey. have that, but I, I run, like, very high current. So the, one of the guys I know who, who uses electrical stimulation has been tasered by two people at the same time, like, as a test, not because he was breaking into a bank or something. And he just, like, <laughs> stood there and was like, yep, and it pulls him out and... And, you know, the cops That's who were testing it were like, but your nervous system can be trained to handle electricity. But I felt it and it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't like, ah, I, I've seen other people, they touch the business card and they like yelp and jump back. 
Yeah, it's not designed to be a painful device. It's a yeah. device designed to train you. It's a but signaling hey, device. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're actually live on Indiegogo right now. So um, what's the URL and all that stuff? I normally ask this at the end of the show. But for people who are interested in, in this new way of communicating with the nervous system, I, I, I'm in a, a very small investor and I'm an advisor. And I just, I'm a supporter of what you do, Manish. So I'm, I'm totally happy to share your URL. So I don't know, what is it? Oh, sure. It's, um, I mean, if you go to pavlock.com, P-A-V-L-O-K. Let's see it there. Pavlock.com. You'll um, be able to, to see what to get to the website and sign up. There's a Indiegogo campaign. There were crowdfunding. The status is the product works. We're going to start shipping in early 2015, and we have early 2014 models that you have at your house already, I believe. So, so I have, uh, let's see, limited prototype. edition 14 of 50. So this is like a super early one. I love games. I have the limited edition Muse headband, number 17. Um, nice. Another, another cool thing, just because like if I can support an early biohacking tech on Indiegogo, um, you'll often see me like, oh, have dinner with Dave if you you know if you're a big investor. Just because I I think it's important, it's important that we as as biohackers and as people that we understand these technologies and we control them because I really don't like the idea of like big marketing companies owning these technologies and building them into our phones and just basically using them to control the hell out of us. Like I want to be the guy with my finger on the button and uh, <laughs> on the big red button on the, my big red button. Well, and so I don't want I, anyone else's finger on that button at the same time as me. I'm fairly sure that I'm going to ask you if you're going to, if we can do dinner with Dave for one of our tiers, but uh, we can do that. It, it might take a little bit of scheduling. I'll have to like make a new habit about that, but well, we'll figure it out. But um, yeah, it should be fun. There's um, we have, we're playing around with the idea of shock credit. So like you pay 150 or something, you get the unit, you pay 10 bucks, you get a shock credit and you get to shock a celebrity or shock me on TV or on Skype for like the price of two shock credits or three shock credits. And then the joke idea is, spend a lot of money, like a $100,000 tier on Indiegogo, and you get to shock everybody in the world at the same time with a big red button. But that's just a joke. I don't think we're really going to do that. <laughs> but it's a joke around the office. <laughs> uh, that, that is just wrong. Uh, I suppose if it was for charity, you could let people opt in who have the wristband. Yeah. But then again, it's like, I wouldn't want to spend money on that because like, why, why would I want to shock people? I, I just like donate the money if I want to donate the money. Um, <laughs> but would you also like to shock everyone in the world? Yeah, I don't know that I would. That's a Guinness I, record, I'm pretty sure. First that's person true. Yeah. <laughs> the, the largest number of electrically stimulated people at one time. Oh, man, I'm not sure if that's a good category to be in. Yeah, so that's that's the site. It should be fun. I think it's a cool product. I think it's changing habits. It's really cool. And um, if you're interested in learning about habit change, check out pavot.com. And uh, Dave – oh, also, I have an alpha um, version of the app that if anyone's wanting to start using like uh, – Deposit reinforcement where you can earn money or, or uh, choose accountability partners. There's a link pavlock.com slash alpha will get you a, a cool little app. That's, That's awesome. I'm, I'm really happy to support just for you guys. Really happy to support the work you're doing, Manish. I, I think it's it's groundbreaking. It's interesting stuff. And, and kudos for all the press. I think you've been in Forbes recently. And, and Jimmy Fallon, too. Oh, and Jimmy, oh, you too. Jimmy Fallon was talking about Bulletproof Coffee the other day. And I'm like, <laughs> Jimmy, like I, I've never met you, but like you're my hero. Like, dude, was, I want to set it up so you can we can do a Jimmy Fountain thing where we use Pavlock to help people form the habit of drinking bulletproof coffee every month. Because you absolutely could. It would oh, it's pretty habit forming all by itself. But yeah. I, like, I like the reinforcement. It's the crack cocaine that really makes it the habit. First one's free. No, I, I, it, that's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you for all the free bulletproof coffee you sent me, sir. I understand now. <laughs> Yeah, when you told me how ADD you were when we first started talking, I'm like, we we got to get your metabolism cranked up a bit, uh, so, so you can you can have more of more control and more energy to to change habits. Absolutely. Well, Manish, you're not gonna get away without answering the question that I ask all the guests on the show, and we're coming up on the end of the show. So let me hit you with it. What are your top three recommendations for people who want to kick more ass? So you want to perform better at life, not just at work or whatever. Three most important things you've learned. It doesn't have to be Pavlov related, but it can be if, if you want. No, uh, the, the first thing is to really identify the habits. Start working on the habits that will make you transform. It's about optimizing your willpower to do the right things. And if you pick the right things today when you're in your human state brain and you create the system that will let you – that will make, reinforce those habits when you start to slip back into your ape brain, what will happen is over time, you'll just get used to exercising or get used to writing every morning or get used to painting until it becomes a completely transformed you 
a year from today. The guy who spends 15 minutes a day writing a novel versus the person who spends 15 minutes a day using Facebook will be drastically different people a year from today. And the secret, I believe, is to form the right habits and break the right habits. And uh, the, four, the three habits I would highly recommend people get into would be to first kick ass, start meditating every day. That was a humongous shift in my life. Use the app Headspace. It'll change your life, and it's a great app, and it's free, and I, I, it really helped me. It's a meditation app. The second thing is to begin exercising, and the way to do that is really simple. Just make an easy bet that's I will go to the gym by 5 o'clock tomorrow, or I will pay my friend 10 bucks, and just say that tonight to your wife or loved one or whatever and say, I'll pay you 10 bucks if I don't walk to the gym and just like go inside tomorrow, and I guarantee you you'll notice a shift in your brain where it's like, I'm not going to lose 10 bucks just because I didn't walk across the street. I might as well go. Once you learn how to use, once you see the power of that, that negative shot, uh, feedback, you'll see how powerful it is to change your habits. And then the last one is really to um, make sure that you form the habit of writing what you will do each day and then doing it. And the way that I engineered this and this system, I believe, has changed my personal productivity and broken my ADDs enough is. I have to write down the three things that I will do by 10.30 a.m. in base camp or else my assistant t- deducts $150 from my salary. Whoa. If I haven't written the three things down by uh, 10.30 a.m., the salary is deducted. At the end of the day, if I have not completed at least two, I owe $100 to my salary company. If I, It's my company. If I did at least two, I earn $50. So if I do at least two of my three things, I earn money. If I don't do at least two, two I lose money. And then if I earn, th- if I finish all three things, I get to um, I have a, spe- a list of positive activities I can do if I finish all three that day. And the act of doing that has cemented me to the point that I have, like even through my ADDness, I have the ability to know like a light at the end of the tunnel. These three things must be completed, or else I lose money. Those three things will get done. And regardless of anything, like I had to meditate one day and I was at a movie and I left the movie to sit in the bathroom and meditate for 10 minutes so I wouldn't lose $150 or $100. That was so motivational. My life completely shifted. So those are the three things I would add to their calendar, which is uh, in summary, I believe I said meditation, exercise, and write down what you will do and do it. So I'm really curious, uh, especially as a Pavlok investor, um, what you're going to do when you have, quote, enough money that you just don't give a a crap about one hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, it's it's not about the money. It's the money is irrelevant. It's about the loss. OK, it's about the loss of money because I don't I mean, the money doesn't affect me. I'm fine. But it's the fear of like paying. I physically take the money out of my hand and hand it to a friend often. And that physical hand motion is the embarrassment. And it's um, it it. it it just works. I mean, I can't really explain. It just works so powerfully. There's an, another thing there. Um, when there's a chance for your nervous system, we'll call it the ego here, uh, to, to have control of something, it'll fight for control. But when you hand that control to someone else, you are, you've cut it out of the decision-making loop, and it knows, oh, that's not in my control because someone else is doing this, and it stops fighting. And mm-hmm. I, I've certainly noticed that in my own behavior change things, like having others help you be accountable. Just the whole basis for executive coaching. When they're helping to hold you accountable, it's like, well, crap, I, I can't like convince myself I shouldn't do it because I told this guy I would and he's going to hold me accountable, so I might as well do it. So there, there's a lot of like really deep like social and, and psychological awareness in the advice that you're talking about. And when people understand more that there are behaviors that are invisible and that are coming from the nervous system, but it can be trained the same way you train a dog, I, I think that's profound. Dave, I gave uh, the key- a keynote speech at the Royal Society of Medicine conference recently uh, on a talk called How to Form Good Exercise Habits in the Brain. And it's by far my most like eloquent, best version description of how a human being can massively shift their life uh, step by step. And I bet your readers would like it. If you're interested, I'll just send me a link. Send me a link. We'll put it in the show notes because yeah, that'd be really cool. Manish, thank, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, drop the Pavlok URL uh, one more time so people who are interested in your work there can do it. And also um, your Hack the System URL because you blog about this kind of stuff. You know, you're a behavior change expert who happens to have a product. So you know this, this isn't a pitch fest at all, but it's neat stuff. Yeah, I mean, my name is Manish Sethi. Uh, the website is pavlok.com, P-A-V. 
L-O-K.com. And we are uh, doing a crowdfunding campaign right now to get the Pavlov wristband, which I honestly, I mean, I think you'll love the video and I think you'll learn a lot about how habits form from that campaign site. And my other website you mentioned was hackthesystem.com, which is where this idea came from, the product came from. Uh, Hack the System is a website about how to hack your success, hack your productivity, hack your body, hack your business, and hack your mind in order to become a whole new you. Wow, that sounded practiced and awesome because that's really what it is about. That was the first time I've ever said that, man. I was like, oh. that was a, oh, I should record this that. This guy's like a pro- professional pitch, man. All right. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Manish, hey, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to hang out in person. This has been a at really cool conference. podcast. I'll see you at your Bulletproof conference. Oh, we should mention that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you're one of the speakers at the Bulletproof conference <laughs> in like three weeks. Yeah, I, I need a habit of remembering that. So, yeah, it, it'll be a chance. You're going to have a few of your shocking business cards and sort of show people how stuff works there. I will, and I'll be giving the, uh, a similar presentation about how to form good habits. So if anybody's going to be there, you'll see me, and uh, we can do a push-up competition or shocking competition, see who can get stronger. All right, check it out. <laughs> BulletproofConference.com, Pavlock.com. All this will be in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that makes you most bulletproof is the ability to focus. I don't mean focus for a minute or a few seconds. I mean focus for as much time as you need to focus to get the job done. For that, I've trained myself using the Upgraded Focus Brain Trainer, and it's available on UpgradedSelf.com. Check it out. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.